Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is Tara, the producer. So this week, I'm gonna be talking with a military spouse and author, Linda McFarlane, and her daughter, Maggie Phillips. And you might remember Maggie Phillips from a podcast we did a couple months ago with the Biden Foundation. In this episode, she's gonna be sharing some perspective as a military kid. So I'm really excited for you to listen to some of their uplifting stories and some of their advice about open communication within Army families or military families. And also, telling us some about some of the initiatives they worked on in education. I think you're going to really be encouraged by some of what Maggie and Linda have to share today. This episode was recorded at our national training seminar last summer, and I know I mentioned it last week, but we're going to keep talking about it through this spring semester that you can now go on and register for the MSEC National Training Seminar, and it's going to be held July 23rd through 25th at the Renaissance Washington, D.C. Downtown Hotel, and you can just visit our website at www.militarychild.org, and of course, you're going to be getting previews of these wonderful speakers. Linda last year um, was a facilitator for one of our panel discussions. You're going to hear her mention it in the podcast. So definitely be looking to your calendars and seeing if you want to attend our national training seminar this summer. So Linda says on her blog, I'm a big fan of goodness, truth, and beauty. And I think you're going to hear that today in her interview. So thank you for joining us and listen in. Welcome everyone to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason. I'm a parent educator, curriculum developer, researcher, and now podcast producer for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also a parent. I'm currently at the Military Child Education Coalition's National Training Seminar in downtown Washington, D.C. And joining me today is Ms. Linda McFarland and her daughter, Maggie Phillips. So thank you so much for joining me today. First, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and some of the work you've done? Okay, um, Linda here, speaking first. Um, so I'm an Army wife. I've been married 34 years to my husband, retired Lieutenant General Sean McFarland. And um, we have two children, and Maggie is here with me today, and she's now an Army wife herself. Um, and uh, Sean and I also have a son, Philip, who is uh, in the Army, captain in the, uh, an armor captain, and his wife, of almost one year is also in the army and she is a uh, medical service corps captain so it's just become one big army family mm-hmm. <laughs> more so than we already were I guess uh, but so through that time uh, as an army wife I have always been a writer um, and I worked for a long time to get published and finally in 2012 I had a book published Drowning in Lemonade Reflections of an Army Wife was the book and it was uh, meant to encourage younger military spouses. Um, it's really about how my faith has sustained me through the challenges of Army life. 
And um, so that was, you know, it was a bucket list thing for sure to get a book published. And then in the past year, I started a blog with the same uh, title. Drowning in Lemonade, Reflections of an Army Wife. Yes. Excellent. And Maggie, tell us a little bit about your story as a military child, now a military spouse, right. and contributing back in those ways. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, active duty military child until May of this year. Um, my husband is in the Army, has been for nine years. I have three children, uh, the oldest of whom is approaching school age this year. I have always uh, worked for the Army in some capacity as a DA civilian, uh, later on for U.S. Army Public Health Command. and. Now I still work in the military family space outside of the DOD and I have a lot of volunteer experience as well as a family readiness group leader teaching Army family team building classes. So it's definitely my passion helping military families um, because it is my community. I believe in making a difference in your community at the lowest possible level and mine happens to be the Army. So that's sort of my story. So both of you have are writers, as you said, and, and even Maggie has um, contributed to blogs as well, just like your mom, your writing family, along with being an Army family. So you wrote an article on in our On The Move magazine, and I remember a quote that you wrote, Maggie, I'm going to pull it up real quick, and it says, the thing I found most helpful growing up in a military family says, is that we were kept well-informed in an age-appropriate way. So what can you share about the way that you're family communicated well, and what that meant. Sure. So we always knew roughly what unit my dad was in, kind of roughly what they did, why they were where they were, um, which is very helpful. And that was one of the things that surprised me most as a spouse when I began volunteering with military families is how often I would talk to a spouse and she could what company your husband was in or what his job was or and to me that was so important to have some context because everything is more confusing without context right and that's what context is and so as a kid especially it's very reassuring to know this is where my dad is this is why he is where he is this is why our life maybe looks a little different from other people's lives even within the army right because you have officers enlisted even within the officers you have different jobs you have different branches across the service so it was very helpful to kind of have a picture of what that looked like so that you weren't just kind of waking up every morning trying to figure out what was what was going on um, and so yeah in an age-appropriate way because obviously what the military does is uh, can be very challenging to explain to a kid but it was helpful especially because as in so many things in life you don't want your kid finding out what mom or dad does from another less informed kid on the playground or something. Right. So for me, it was always very helpful. And I think in volunteering with spouses on the other side, whether it was as a family readiness group leader or with uh, Army family team building, it was explaining to them, no, you, you need to go home and find out what your husband's job is, what his unit is, because God forbid something happens, you need to be able to tell people, oh, he's in Bravo Company, he's an Alpha Company. Mm -hmm. um, and then just even for your own peace of mind, <laughs> it's right. helpful to know. So that was always really key for me. We always knew roughly what dad's job was, what unit it was. Yeah. And from the mom perspective, was that it? Because I know the training back then for families is vastly different than what we have now. Mm -hmm. And I know that you are in some of the groundwork of 
education, some education type programs on military installation. So mm -hmm. just referring back to this first, yeah. was that like an intentional decision on your part? And, and can you share a little bit about your process? In, in, right. In yeah. That? I think my husband and I really knew that it would be helpful for our children to have some knowledge of what was going on around them. And, um, and so, you know, knowledge is power, right? And so you feel less helpless you have some idea of why you are where you are. And and also for me, I wanted them to, at an early age, the first time their, their dad deployed, she, Maggie was three years old and Philip was a baby for Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And so um, I, uh, I, I very early on, I was like, well, you know, this could probably be confusing. Daddy goes away, he's got work. But I also wanted them to know that when he was gone, he missed them very much. But when he was gone, our lives didn't really change too much as far as our routines, as far as what I expected of them, what he expected of them, and the behavior in school, whatever, you know, as they got older. So um, it was all kind of part of the package of this is our life, and I need you to know as much as you can handle at this point in our life so that it continues on um, in a way that works for everybody. So. so I know that education is really important to you, and mm -hmm. it has been important to your husband. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work you've done in that area? I've, I've heard of you talk about the process action team. Yes, yeah, which is really um, something that I wish every military installation had some form of this uh, program. Um, we learned about it, my husband and I, when we were at Fort Bliss, which we were there four different times. But the third time we were there, um, he um, was there as a one-star, and I, just because of my interest in education and my concern for military children, I became involved in what the Process Action Team was doing. As a fairly senior spouse at that installation, I felt that I had an opportunity to, to um, learn about it and then share that with the families so they would understand. I'm all about everybody having the context, I guess, <laughs> so right. they would know that this program exists and is there to help your children and your family. And so I couldn't do that until I knew more about it. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it was it was begun through their youth education services there at Fort Bliss. And it really is just a, a relationship, a working relationship between the installation leadership and the surrounding uh, school districts uh, that where most of our children uh, go to school. And um, they meet regularly um, at various levels. And you kind of start at a basic schools uh, level where representatives from these school districts come in and uh, representatives of the command come in. Sometimes family members, um, if they're interested, can come in. And you talk about what are the issues, what are the challenges that the families are facing. And you got your questions answered there or you raised problems to um, appropriate people at a, at a basic level. Anything that could not be settled there or, or fixed there moved up to the next level. And um, it was then that you had uh, the process action team, which was the more senior people, including uh, superintendents from the school now and the commanding general or his or her representative meeting together to talk about these issues that had not been resolved um, at a lower level. It's not dissimilar to the Army Fam Family Action Plan that mm -hmm. the Army, uh, the program the Army has, um, where you do try and fix local problems locally and then keep raising it up and they go all the way to the Department of the Army level if it's mm -hmm. serious enough or, or widespread enough of an issue. 
And in this case, we took it to the you know superintendent general officer level. And those are the movers and shakers. Those are the people who, when made aware of a problem, can fix some things real, really relatively quickly. And I saw that in action. It was a wonderful thing. So give us an example. Like, I, I think you and I have talked about yeah. and we talked about that. What, what is some like real change that you saw happen mm -hmm. in real life? I think one had to do with uh, school registration for new families. Mm -hmm. And you could be in the same school district, but have a child in the elementary school, in middle school, in the high school, or any variation thereof. And you had the mother or the father or the parent was going in and doing all of this paperwork, massive pile of paperwork, for each child at each school. Right. And it was exhausting, and it was yeah. a lot of work and a waste of time, because it's like, this is what I already said, you know, and of course this was a few years ago, but um, it was still the 21st century. <laughs> and um, they were like, there are easier, better ways to do this, and so they, the, the superintendent kind of got wind of this and was like, well, we don't need to do it that way. Let's give them a one, you know, place to put input all their information that's going to be the same for every child and, and eliminate some of that uh, time and effort. Um, and you know, when you move to a new place, you got enough uh, paperwork. paperwork and things to take care of. So it was a, a huge relief, and it, and like I said, it happened relatively quickly, and it was a beautiful thing to to see in action um, as a as a family member who was in the room. <laughs> Beyond that, you've had, like you said, 34 years of experience in the military. Are there some resources that you can think of that you just think every family needs to know about this resource to help? Well, because I think because we're here at, at this uh, National Training Seminar, um, the first one that comes to my mind is the school liaison office, mm -hmm. which uh, Maggie and I this morning, a couple of the slows in our session said, I'm a slow school liaison officer, and my biggest challenge is having making sure families know that we're here. Right. And and one lady is like, it's so frustrating at the end of someone's time on our post. You know, their three years are up or whatever, and they they find out that the office was even there. And they'll mm -hmm. say, I never knew you were here. Yeah. You know, that's kind of stuff that's just ah, oh, because they can be so helpful. And um, I know well, we worked to make sure. Um, at Fort Hood and Fort Bliss, because my, my husband commanded both those installations, of getting the school liaison office a higher profile, mm -hmm. um, so that families, like when they went to the homepage, would see it right away. Um, right. Whether it was a little yellow school bus, or mm -hmm. you know something to indicate this is a school uh, a function that you need to know about as a parent who just moved to this area. Um, so that to me is, you know, right off the bat, uh, a biggie right there. And even the Military Child Education Coalition, um, you know, some people are aware of parent to parent or the student to student program or uh, tell me a story, but they don't know that those are MSEC programs, right. you know. And so I, I love uh, sharing resources with families and letting them know the things that are available for their families. And uh, so that's just a few that absolutely. You know, we often think that everybody knows about these things, and sometimes you just, you don't. You don't know until you you actually need that resource. So every time that we can share about it, that's even better. Mm -hmm. So you shared with me that your husband used to say, make sure you tell the Army stories. So this podcast is all about sharing stories, and you shared some excellent stories today. Is there any final piece of advice or um, story that you want to share with our audience? <laughs> drawing from all those years I as a military gonna, kid. Yeah, no, I mean, I think one thing in general that I, I have found as I've gotten older 
is it's one thing to talk to your child while they are still a child and ask about their experience of being a military kid. And one thing that I realized as I become an adult is you can't really synthesize how being a military child has affected you until you are not a child anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't until you're looking back and you think, well, gosh, you know, I still have to move every three years. I can't stay put in one place for very long. Or I'm very comfortable walking into a room full of strangers and introducing myself. And one thing that I think living in the D.C. area, as I do right now, I get together a lot with peers and friends of mine who grew up as military children who now live and work um, the government or in the DC area and we don't sit around and talk about how hard our lives were how much we missed our dads or our moms we talk about how great it was we have very fond memories of this it's not a group of like sad damaged adults sitting around like <laughs> do you know, just as a parent with young kids still that struggle sometimes mm-hmm. with the transition that is like so reassuring mm-hmm. to hear and I can't tell you that same thing you just said about going into a room how many parents just today we've talked mm-hmm. to that say that their kids say that mm-hmm. it's just like I, all these parents listening they're probably gonna tear up like I'm almost oh, yay like, <laughs> like military kid success story when you sure. worry like oh, sure I did out, you worry Absolutely. like oh my goodness this is hard so mm-hmm. thank yeah. you so much for sharing that because that like is gonna mean a lot to a lot of people and you have a great network your whole life of other military kids that you I mean, you stay in touch with the people you want to stay in touch with I mean right before I walked in I just texted a friend of mine from high school about an event and they're like yeah I'm there you know I mean you have this great resource of people you can call in and then instantly you can talk to somebody who is a military kid even if you've never met them before in your life and instantly you have this rapport and things to talk about I mean that stays with you your whole life and so oftentimes I will have military spouses who were not military kids themselves who now have children say to me, Mike, you seem like you're okay. <laughs> Is my kid going to be okay? Yeah. And I can't guarantee that for each individual child, yeah. but I would say on aggregate, yeah. like, if I had had an overly negative experience, I would not have married a service member who... I should mention my husband is also a military brat we met in high school in Germany. Um, Yeah, so I would say that if that had deeply wounded us in some way, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, right. And uh, and I have to say, you know, I've heard Maggie share this before. It always makes me, as her mother, feel a little better about things because when I was going through it, I, you know, we've discussed this before. There was the time when my husband was going to Bosnia, and she was like third, fourth grade, and I was the, you know, family readiness group uh, leader, acting at the time. My husband was a major, but I was filling in in this strange period between, you know, the the correct volunteer or whatever. And I was going to a lot of meetings, and I was gone a lot, and he was leaving, and then he left, and I was like, my poor children, they never see us. And and I talked to her about it later, and she's like, I don't really remember that. She's like, in fact, thinking back, she doesn't remember a lot of the times that her dad was gone. And he's deployed eight times total, but six when she was still living at home. Mm-hmm. So to me, the fact that that's not like the main memory is that dad was never there, um, that's huge to me. I'm, it's really a, a relief to me. Probably huge to him too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, so, you know, if I had any advice, it would be to to um, our military spouses is don't worry so much <laughs> about you know what you're doing to your child or whatever. You know, if you're doing the best you can, you and your uh, and the, the 
other parents are doing the best that you can uh, in loving the, these children and providing a safe haven for them to come home to where they are loved uh, unconditionally. And, um, and uh, the other piece of advice is tell them the why, give them the why, which is another word for the context, you know, but, you know, daddy has to go away, he's much rather be here, but he's got to go do this thing. Um, so I think filling that in for them really helps them feel a little more grounded and like, you know, they don't have a complete handle on it, but they're not completely in the dark either, so. And it's borne out by what we're hearing in the panels here today. They keep talking about resilience factors, and one of those is that military children tend to have a sense of pride, a sense of belonging, a sense of community, and a sense of being a part of something worthwhile. And that goes back to the idea of giving your kids context and giving them an awareness of what it is. I keep saying dad because that's my own experience, but what their parent is doing and a little bit why, again, in an age-appropriate context, because it was always much easier to know why my dad was gone because I had a reason, I knew roughly what his job was versus dad's the scary place you see on the news and mom's really upset all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's a way you can keep kids informed and for me that was always a key part and I was always very proud of you know what my dad was doing and being a military kid even if it wasn't at the forefront of my thoughts. Um, it was still somewhere in the back, you know, he's doing something worthwhile, I'm a part of something worthwhile. So I definitely think that we're seeing in the research on resilience factors that that's a big part of it, and I've seen it in my own life, among my peers, um, and myself as well. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing with us today and taking the time to come and speak with us. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Please continue listening for our after show, where we're going to talk in more detail about some points we shared on today. So I don't know about you, but I was very encouraged by the stories that Linda and Maggie shared. I got choked up a couple of different times there when they were talking about stories. If you want to know more and hear more and read more from Linda, she has a blog called Drowning in Lemonade, and there'll be a link to it in our show notes. And on her blog page or website, you can find her book, you can find other stories from her, and also interact with her. She has some ways to interact. So if you were interested in learning more about that, just check our show notes. Also, Linda talked about school liaison officers, and she said the word needs to get out about them. So they, we've talked about them in, in some previous podcasts, but I did want to just reiterate, they are civilians, they are contracted through each branch of service, and they serve as the primary contact between military installations, local school districts, and military families. They offer a wealth of resources when it comes to school-related issues on transition, deployment, and really, they're just part of the people that are on the side of the military family to be able to help advocate for military kids. So just know that they're on most military installations. We'll have a link if you want to find where they are on the installation that you're closest to. Even if you're not living on the installation or close to installation, you can still utilize that resource. So please check our show notes so you can learn a little bit more about school liaison officers, what they do, and how they might be able to help your military family. She mentioned briefly the student to student program. This is one of our student programs that are student led and peer to peer mentoring programs and they are offered at the K through 12 levels on 
many installations and around in school dist districts close to installations. There's an elementary student to student program, a jun junior student to student program, and the student to student program at the high school level. And the purpose is to ease transitions and create a positive school environment for new students. So if you wanted to learn more about our MSEC student to student program, again, link in the show notes, or you can go to our website at www.militarychild.org. The final thing that she brought up that I wanted to make sure and mention was the Tell Me a Story event. And the Tell Me a Story program is an initiative and it's created to empower our military connected children by using books and literacy. And this is a way that they can tell their own stories in these type of events. We know that stories have the capacity to open family discussions on topics like stress and family situation, deployment, moving, and grief. So if you want to find more about our initiative, the Tell Me a Story program, or to bring one to your community, visit our website at www.militarychild.org, or you can just click down in our show notes. It's going to take you directly to the Tell Me a Story event, both for the student-to-student -student program and the Tell Me a Story program. If you click on the audio link, then you can actually hear our program managers, Deborah Longley and Judy Glennon, talk about these two amazing programs. Again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to having you back next week. Keep listening. We do ask that you like, share, and subscribe. We would love for you to rate us, and also offer some feedback on what you want to be hearing from us. We have a great new lineup this spring semester, especially as we lead up to NTS, but we want to hear what you would like to listen to. So thank you all for joining us. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.